Well, summertime has hit us for sure. We have people who are gone today. I'm sure people who are taking off for a long weekend that doesn't exist. But they're going to do their best to make it one, which is good for them, I suppose. But as I told the first service, we always have, you know, it's the goats that leave. It's the sheep that stay. And so the sheep are here this morning, and uh, it's just a blessing to be with all of you. Uh, Last night at about 7 o'clock, we had a number of people who assembled at the uh, airport here to see off the teens and those who were with them. They left around 10, I think, actually, from the airport and headed for Estonia. We heard a report this morning. I say, was it last night? No, Friday night. And um, they're already there. They're already headed out to the camp uh, in Estonia. So we're grateful that they can be there and that they're ministering in the name of Christ. Uh, When Robin and I were traveling back from Portland last week uh, on Sunday, we were standing at a McDonald's, which by the way, if you haven't been to a McDonald's lately in the States, they place the calorie intake right next to the item on the board. So you look and you can see that that Big Mac is killing you. But like, you can see it though. Like it says, it's killing you right there in the calorie intake. So that was kind of cool to see that signboard. But we were standing at McDonald's and the McDonald's lady said to the girl that she was waiting on, she said, oh, you have an accent. Where are you from? And she said, oh, I'm from Estonia. So I heard that and I turned to Megan. I said, they're from Estonia. So we kind of grabbed them and talked to them for a little while about Estonia. And it was just kind of cool. She was from one of the cities that our teens will be in while they're there, the city of Tartu. So it was nice to kind of make that connection. There aren't that many people from Estonia and certainly not that many people from Estonia running around in the United States. So it was kind of neat to meet one and and, uh, make a connection there and to be able to tell her some of what we were doing. Um, I don't think we've announced this yet, uh, that uh, Shem Mohammed's father has passed away. I think that's in the bulletin. And so we want to be praying for uh, Imelda and Shem and for his family as uh, we reflect on the death of his father. So please be aware of that. And then, of course, we, uh, we've already seen the announcement this morning about Stampede Sunday. Uh, they were very serious about needing volunteers. And so if you can volunteer... Uh, That would be absolutely wonderful to help us out. We'll have a lot of people, I'm sure, who will be here to receive breakfast next Sunday morning. I hope you're coming, and I I look forward to that. It's always a great time for our church family to assemble in the parking lot. If the weather's really bad, we'll meet in here for our worship, but our plan right now will be be out in the parking lot and enjoy the summer that I think we're going to have now. This week I was wrestling a bit with our subject. You know, normally when uh, when I stand up on Sunday morning, it's not actually the uh, it's not the content of the Bible passage or something like that that I wrestle with. Normally, for me, if there's something I, I have trouble with, it's that that illustrative kind of bring everybody into the subject kind of thing that I wrestle with. And so I have I have a lot more trouble with the whole illustrating things to kind of capture you and get you in, get that that hook into you as far as the Word of God. I I must admit I find it strange that the preacher has to come up with the great story or come up with the hook to get people interested in the Word of God. Like you'd think that all of us would just be waiting for the Word of God and ready to jump right into the Scriptures. But I do find that it's not quite that way. And and that that side of, of preaching that says, bring them in with the clever story is not the part that I enjoy very much. But this week, instead of wrestling with the getting of the stories or something, I was wrestling with... The content. Because the subject this morning is how Christianity is what supplies for us our purpose and our meaning. 
And, and you might think, well, of course it does. You know, why, why would you have any trouble with that? But, but part of it has to do with just the fact that the world is always asking the question, what is the meaning of life? What's it all about? And philosophers for thousands of years now have asked the question, what is this all about? Why is anything here at all? Why are we here and what are we doing? And so it's an age-old kind of question. And at the same time, it doesn't, it's not like the scriptures, you, you can turn to a certain page and it says, and here is the meaning of life. The way you would, for example, if you were reading Socrates or Plato or Aristotle or somebody who deals specifically with the question, what is the purpose and the meaning of life? So it's just interesting to think about all that and, and that we wrestle with that question. Now sometimes the question it's been, because it's been asked by philosophers, and philosophers are fair game for everybody. Okay, People love to poke fun at philosophers, and I get that. And so what we do, we take a serious question like, what is the meaning of life? And we do something like this with it. Everybody needs to believe in something. I believe I'll have another beer. Okay, You've probably seen that. That's, that's probably been on the back of some car that you have been following because that was a pretty prominent bumper sticker for a while that people were looking at. Okay, And then if you, if you don't think much of that one, we can update it. Okay, We can bring it right into our, our current age and it would probably look something more like this. Smoke weed every day. It won't answer your question, but you'll become indistinguishable from most philosophers. You gotta kind of think about that one for a minute, but I, I think I think there's something interesting about that. I, I I have to admit I personally have never smoked marijuana. I hate to admit it, I never have. In our society, it seems like everybody has smoked pot. I haven't smoked pot, and so I, actually I guess I'm kind of proud of having not done that. But at any rate. I kind of get the question after that. Have you, have you been around? I've been around a lot of people who've smoked marijuana. My, when I was in university, not a dabbling Christian, my roommate uh, grew pot in the closet. And we, ha- and we had a dealer that lived down the hall. And I can remember how when the pay phone would ring, and if somebody began to act as though they were talking to the police on the phone, he got pretty nervous. Because you never knew what was going to happen in our hallway. So these, these kind of things are kind of where people are at today. And so they, they kind of mocked a question about the seriousness of life or the meaning of life. And then there's this way, I suppose, that Spock could mock. Spock ponders the meaning of life and makes a disturbing discovery. It doesn't seem logical, but what if the hokey pokey is what it's all about? That's possible, eh? Do the hokey pokey and that's what it's all about. Okay. Well, people do indeed mock that question because it's been asked so many times by philosophers. But some people, of course, take it very seriously. And so, in our world today, if I was to talk to you for a moment, if I was just to ask this question, I would say, "Who is a really successful female who is on TV all the time? Like, who's the most successful TV personality who's a female?" Oprah. Of course. You didn't have to think about that one for very long. Have you, have you been on Oprah's website ever? Like, she's so popular, a lot of people would look at, at Oprah's website. I have to confess, not until this week I, had I ever been on it, but this week I got on there. And 
in many places on Oprah's website, she deals with the question of the purpose and meaning of life. And so she grew up dirt poor, has become one of the most successful women in the world, admired by millions. And for many, she's even become a kind of spiritual guide. And so you turn to her website and she's got all kinds of comments about how you can find the purpose and meaning of life. And so she lists things like this. Listen to your inner voice. This is taken right off of her website. Listen to your inner voice. Recognize in your life crisis. Dwell in possibilities. Tune out the voice of the world. And instead, just listen to your own. Decide what kind of person you want to be. Bring your heart to your work. Trust transformation. That's an interesting one. If you just think, trust transformation. Well, there's, a, there's no guidance there about what kind of transformation it is. Just trust transformation. Appreciate change. Have no regrets about what you missed out on. Take the first step. Now, that's an interesting one because what would you do? Take the second step? Be patient. And I think be patient has something to do with the fact that all her advice maybe won't take you as quickly where you want to go is what you're hoping. Well, if you were to look at her website, there are lots of other places where it says things like this. Discover your soul and its path. Open your heart to your feelings. Conquer your fears. Find the four things every soul needs. And what every soul needs is harmony, cooperation, sharing, and reverence for life. And so Oprah has become, I'm not sure as profound, but the Aristotle of our day. She's the Socrates of our time that people cling to and listen to. The, the problem that I have, and you can see it in this list, the problem that I have with what Oprah focuses on is that there's a great deal of this that attempts to answer the question, what's the purpose and meaning of life with self-introspection? She, she calls people to look into their own hearts. And what happens is that the meaning of life ends up being found in us. It's, it's in me. I, I actually have for you the meaning of life and it's deep inside my soul. We are the purpose of life. We're the center of it all. Our happiness, your happiness for yourself and my happiness for me becomes the essence of life. And in fact, our world tends to kind of go there. It's not unusual for us to hear people talking a lot about how their own personal satisfaction and happiness is really the center of their lives. And if you doubt that, I'm going to play a song here in a moment, and you won't understand the, the words for the first few lines here. There'll be, there'll be a chorus, you won't really understand these words. But then he's going to move into a part that you will understand. And this song was for weeks in the spring this year, the number one song on Billboard's charts. Okay? So listen to this song, and I don't know if you'll get the words, but the song is called Happy by Pharrell Williams. It's catchy. It's catchy from the start.
because I'm happy. Because I'm happy. Come on, everybody. Because I'm happy. Because I'm happy. Now he goes into some words you don't understand. Isn't that the way modern music is? You can't understand half the words. But but you get this. Because I'm happy. Come on, everybody. Because I'm happy. Because I'm happy. Okay. Well, are you happy? Huh? It kind of does that. It's got this catchy little tune. You get a big smile on your face. I'm looking at most of you and those of you who are not thinking, why is he doing this, are smiling. Okay? And you're, you're smiling, you're clapping along, you're happy because it's kind of a catchy tune and, and it, we just kind of get into this. Which is, it's a wonderful sentiment. And so the world kind of gets into that and it becomes the number one song. Some of you are old enough, in fact most of you are old enough to remember there was another song in 1988 that was very similar to this, except it wasn't near the same music. Instead it went, don't worry, be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. Profound words. Okay? And if and if you if you go back far enough, you could go back not to nineteen eighty eight, but you go back to nineteen fifty eight and you're gonna hear Doris Day and she's gonna sing Que sera sera Whatever will be will be the future's not ours to see. Que sera, sera. Now, if you think about it, that's not that encouraging of a message. Not only because none of us really know what que sera, sera means, but also because whatever the future will be, it's not ours to see. So in other words, we don't know what's coming, but we're going to smile our way through it anyway. And I... In one sense, we can say, well, that's not a bad message. And I'll agree, it's not a bad message. But is that the purpose and meaning of life? Be happy. Put a smile on your face. Listen to the words words that we couldn't understand to that song a moment ago. He says, here comes bad news, talking this and that. Yeah, well, give me all you've got. Okay, give me all the good and bad news, or all the bad news you've got, and don't hold it back. Don't hold back the bad news from me. Well, I should probably warn you, I'll be just fine. No offense to you, don't waste your time giving me bad news. Because no matter what the bad news is, I'm going to be happy. And there's a sense in which I want to say, well, that's, you know, that's really positive and good, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. But there's really only one way that works. That works 
if my happiness is kind of the epitome of existence. If that's what life is all about. Striving for happiness would be fine if it weren't for the fact that millions of people in our planet are starving. Happiness as an attitude would be fine if bombs didn't maim hundreds of children every day. Happiness would be good if right now as we sit here, hundreds of women were not being raped, if thousands of children haven't died due to inadequate water resources, if parents haven't lost their babies and babies lost their parents, if the rich hadn't gotten richer and the poor poorer, if those things hadn't happened, maybe we could just be happy. But they have happened. And the fact is, is that while we're sitting here today, and it's a pleasant environment here in Calgary, it's, you know, I, I haven't been outside in the last few minutes, maybe it's a beautiful day out there. Maybe it's going to be a wonderful weekend. But the fact is that much, much of our world is more like a runaway train. And we are not on the happiness express. Things are not that good in the world. And we certainly are not going to find the purpose and meaning to life by simply smiling our ways through it. And so I think the Bible has some different things to say about what it means to be living in our world and even about the notions of purpose and meaning. It says things, and I'm doing some summarizing here. Our purpose and meaning has little to do with focusing on our own happiness and everything to do with loving others and desiring and serving the good of humankind. And this is the problem that I have with Oprah. Like I'm sure that Oprah is in so many ways a wonderful person. But one will not find the purpose and meaning to life by looking inside yourself, but by looking outside yourself. Self-focus is not going to take us anywhere particularly positive. And so it would seem to me as though we need to focus on what Scripture has to say and what Jesus himself said about what it means to have a purpose and meaning. And so Jesus said things like, And another is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. The psalmist says, whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from spreading lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And that seems to me to be such a more solid answer than what the world so often Provides. If I had to sum it up, these texts simply say, so love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Get outside of yourself and love your neighbor. Instead of making self-awareness and self-actualization and self-happiness or even a sentence like, to your own self be true, all of which have self at the center, we need to look toward serving others. All these others, they seem to add up to something more like what we saw in the 80s. Look out for number one. 
And we could have just said, look out for self. Paul said, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Seeking our own good and seeing our own highest virtue as being our goal is in fact dangerous. And Christianity just seems to have a different message than that. The second thing I would say is this. Seeking God as our source of purpose and meaning takes us outside ourselves and our world into a perspective that is truly spiritual and ultimately satisfying because it fits with the reality of God. And so love God. Have you ever watched Oprah? Like surely, you know, even if you're just flipping the channels, sooner or later you're going to run into Oprah. There for a while, when she was still on her daily program, she would put up little banners that would, and just before she went into a commercial or something, and it would say something like, Spirit. Or she'd put one up that would say, Hope. And it all sounded quite good in one sense. And there were times when I thought, you know, Oprah has this Christian background that she's not completely letting go of. And I think that there's some truth to that. But the bottom line is, is that it's not the spirituality of Scripture. And the spirituality that we honor and that we believe recognizes that God is the one who created our universe. And whatever purpose and meaning we're going to have has got to fit in with who God is. He's the ultimate reality. And so we're going to honor and serve and bless God for who he is. The Ecclesiastes writer said it this way, and, and this sounds almost a little harsh until you, I think you put it in its context and understand what it was that he was saying. No, all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. You could say it's the whole purpose for man. It's the whole meaning for man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. And the point is, God is the reality. He is what stands behind the universe and what will give purpose and meaning to our lives. And then the third thing I want to say is simply this. Our own happiness comes as a blessing from God when we seek him first. I can quote Matthew 6.33, and you guys know the rest of it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what's the rest of it say? And all things will be added unto you, or they will be given to you. Well, you know what those all things are? Right above that in the context is this discussion by Jesus about how we don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about what's going to clothe you. You don't have to worry about what you're going to eat. You don't have to worry about having a roof over your head. Jesus says, I'm going to take care of you. And what I think we do is we spend our lives thinking we're going to have all these things that will make us happy, all these things that are going to satisfy us. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you everything that you need. I'll meet your needs. I'm going to satisfy you. And so seek God first, and these things will come to you. But we tend to think that we need to focus there. Or maybe we won't have these things. And maybe we won't be happy. And all the while, Jesus is, pl- is promising us that these are the things that he will give us. Plato, Aristotle, Oprah, they all focused on happiness. Human happiness is somehow the goal, the purpose and meaning of life. Well, I would say that Jesus had it right. Love God 
Seek him first. Love his people. It's the purpose and meaning of life. And seeking purpose and meaning elsewhere is only going to produce something less than the ultimate happiness and peace that only an understanding of God will provide. It's where we need to go for the purpose and meaning of life. Let's pray. Lord, it is a blessing to be a follower of yours. It's a blessing, Father, to receive from you all the things in life that that make life here so pleasant. But we want more than anything just to center on you, just to love you, to seek you, to love others in response. And so, Father, I pray you'd help to get us out of ourselves. Help us not to focus on ourselves, but to see the joy and the blessing, the peace, the happiness, the purpose, the meaning that comes from loving you and loving others. We pray these things through Jesus. Amen.